Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. You find me here this week, Phil Salter uh, from Vortisound Studios, getting very confused about what I'm going to say, and I'm joined by... My name is Joe Sage and I'm a producer and mix engineer. Oh, ooh. How you doing, Phil? I'm grand. I'm really grand. Enjoying, enjoying the lock-in, um, <laughs> as has happened. I love the phrase lock-in to make it sound like it's a pub lock-in rather than... Oh, it, reminds me down. The, it reminds me of the Crystal Maze, actually. Oh, yeah. That's a great theme tune. Anyway. It's got so many key changes in it. <laughs> it really does. That's how you make an exciting theme tune in the 90s. <laughs> Joe, how are you? I'm doing good. Weirdly, I feel positive is the wrong word about, about the lock, lockdown, lock-in, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I just kind of, at least I now know what's happening, so so I feel all right. I mean, this episode's coming out in a few weeks, so I might feel very differently by then. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? In the future. Um, so yeah, take that with a pinch of salt. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today, mate? Well, this time we are talking about what has been lovingly titled The New Band Flight Plan, mm-hmm. um, or How on Earth Do I Actually Start a Band Nowadays? Sounds good. So I think a good place to start would be brainstorming what kind of band you want to be that is often forgotten ridiculously there are yeah it's a very difficult conversation to have with someone if you say do you want to be in my band the first thing they're going to ask you is what 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 kind of band so yeah you need to make kind of core decisions about genre maybe instruments that are going to be in the band obviously these can be somewhat flexible but having a rough idea is an essential place to start Mm. and i guess also if you are a multi-instrumentalist what are you going to play because you know you can decide oh i might play keyboard i might play guitar we'll decide when we get there but that might affect who you look for (laughs) in Mm -hmm. your band so work it out and commit Mm -hmm. commit to your idea so a good way to figure that out is I've got two ideas down here, one of which is make some demos because that's going to really increase the caliber of people that you might be able to get to join your band if you've got a great sounding demo or you know if you can go the whole hog and make a song, then you can kind of hand it out to people and instead of going, well, yeah, we're we're a little bit like Slipknot meets Dolly Parton. What a band. That make, yeah. <laughs> Whereas oh. if you can kind of go, here's, here's our demos, it initially will make someone go, oh, yeah, okay, cool, I can I can get on board with that, or they'll go, hell no. And then you've cut out a lot of wasting time that you'd have. Joe, Joe where do I find this band? <laughs> where? Um, I don't, I'd say a music festival, but they won't be happening for a while. Oh, that's true. Uh, Maybe we'll start one. I've <laughs> We've got plenty of spare time. We do. Uh, so yeah, having having demos and also another thing I've got is thinking of some covers you could do. Mm. This might be jumping the gun a little bit to like your first rehearsal, which we'll discuss further down the line. But again, it kind of is a really good way to go, okay, cool. So we're like a kind of old rock band. Okay, well, maybe we'll do some biffy covers or mm. we want to kind of sound a bit like this or the band from this album or whatever. It's it's a really good starting place and a great way to start conversations with other musicians. I've actually got that in my rehearsal plan section, my first rehearsal plan section, but that's fine. Um, I mean, it can be as obvious as I want to be in a band that sounds a bit like Dolly Parton meets Slipknot. Let's, as 
some covers pick a Dolly Parton song and a Slipknot song. What a surprise. And you can just start from there. Yeah. That's a bad example. That's, that's... No, it's a great example. Let's roll with it. Maybe, but that might be a little bit confusing to if you try and if you try and get a drummer on board and say, yeah, can I want you to be like Joey Jordison meets Dolly Parton session drummer? It it might be a little bit difficult. So yeah, I think kind of sticking with maybe a three song example, kind of giving a rough thing and say, oh, okay, yeah, cool, we're going to be like alt rock or you know country or like pop rock, just as long as you've kind of got a genre and maybe a few songs around that. Hmm. people will be able to get the gist of what you want to sound like. And so when you're looking for people, which we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute, then you can, you've got a clear idea of what you can say. I'm looking for some people who can be in a band that are like, blah. Mm. The even clearer one is if you have demos, because mm, that's a true. really, really good way of just saying, I need someone who can play this. Because it might also be an ability thing. If your music is quite technical, whether that be, you know, it's fast or difficult to play, you obviously need a certain caliber of musician to to play that. So there's no good saying to someone, hey, do you want to be in my band? And I'm finding out first rehearsal, they, they can't, they can't play it. So having a demo of the stuff you kind of want to do and handing it out to people is a good way of ruling out people that could potentially cause you issues further down the line. I'd say it depends, though. It depends what kind of band member you are. So there are there are some who are the band leader and will do the majority of the writing and so doing a demo and thinking of something that that kind of sounds right um and actually making that happen might come easily but if you're someone who is look wanting to put together a band but maybe isn't a prime songwriter how might you go about that then i'd say the covers option is your next mm. best option yeah, that, the covers option is the next best option, really. If you if you can't do demos, then having covers and having influences mm. is a good way to start a band. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. What I've also got down here as well is go to local shows. And these are for two reasons. One of which is you'll quickly learn firsthand what works well and what doesn't. Yes, there are, there are many, many ideas that I've heard bands discussing in the studio about what they're going to do live that sound outright bonkers, <laughs> whether that be good bonkers or bad bonkers. And majority of the time when I've seen them live trying to do it or I've heard afterwards how it went, it did not go well. Things that you kind of imagine in your head might be received quite oddly and you'll also realize the gaps that you might have whether that be in patter or how to transition into songs if you go see other bands at the level that you kind of want to be at realistically so obviously don't go to an arena show and go yeah we'll be there in a few months but kind of go to your local gigs and think okay cool we might be on this bill with that this kind of band in a few months you can quickly see what works and what doesn't i think um the other thing that's important to do when you're going to local shows and seeing what's about is you're seeing what genres of music exist in your local venues in your local scene um so it's kind of all well and good wanting to be a, an out and out country band but if your scene is just nothing but indie rock are you going to get anywhere and i know that's i'm not trying to crush your dream i'm really not but you want to get gigs as a band and so you've got to really think about where you're going to fit mm. Gigs are also a great place to network. So whether that be with promoters that could potentially put on your band, and I'm not saying go up to a promoter and go, hi, yeah, I'm trying to put a band together and we'll be looking for gigs in three months. That's that's not the way. That's not the way to go. But 
saying hi, maybe offering to buy a drink, adding them on, you know, Facebook or whatever, and then just having them as a contact later down the line is a really smart move to do. Not only that, you can meet other bands, kind of get friendly with them. So you can potentially call in a favor about supporting them or they might have contacts of where they did their first gigs so they can go, oh, well, maybe come back to us in a few months. But in the meantime, contact Steve. Steve might have these gigs at various other places. And another thing is those kind of local gigs attract other musicians. They attract mm. musos. They're a great place to meet potential band bandmates or people who will know people who are looking to start a band. I think I think to something to bear in mind um, is you may be listening to what Joe's saying going, this is an awful lot of work and there's not even a band. It doesn't exist yet. But it, what's really important when you start a band is to have momentum. So it can be it can be a real hard slog or it can be something where really quite quickly you start going and you start gigging and you start, you know, all these things. And ideally you want to get together a band and get enough momentum to get your first few gigs fairly swiftly and we'll come on to that later but having some contacts and having some places you can go early on is a great place to start so that you just keep this momentum going yeah it's about laying the foundations i see quite a lot of people where they essentially start picking out the interior decorations before the house has been built <laughs> It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really quite add up. It's much better to kind of go, okay, we'll put in, and I say hard yards, going to a gig and drinking and talking to other musicians isn't exactly difficult work. Is hate to break the illusion. It's difficult right now. I mean, yes, right, right <laughs> now, but we assume in the future it will not be hard work. Indeed. Yeah, I hate to break it to you, but if you're planning on being in a band, you're going to meet other musicians and chat about music. So you won't what? be doing anything different. Shocking. than what you're them you know what you will be doing in the future anyway and laying them foundations and having that springboard to start from rather than kind of getting a few months in and then people start getting impatient when's this going to happen oh we didn't we didn't really uh think about how we were going to do x y and z it is essentially how new bands break up really quickly oh yes there's a high amount of brand new bands that never get anywhere because no one has a plan and there's mm. no momentum and no one has any contacts. So go and meet people now. Well, not now. Go and meet people, <laughs> depending on when you listen to this. Go to your local gigs and then uh, find people and network. Mm. So on that networking thing as well, so one thing to consider is make a quick logistics plan in your head. So if you're starting a band, if you can only practice in, you know, within a few square miles of whatever then you need to kind of outline that to people and go, hi, yeah, I'm looking for other bandmates and they need to be in like these zones of London or within like this area of Yorkshire or whatever. It, there's no point in kind of meeting someone and then finding out that they can't make it to there or they don't drive or whatever. These kind of things are worth bearing in mind before you even start looking for a band member. Would you also include in that, say, days that you plan on, like what day do you plan on rehearsing in the week or whatever? Yeah, I think having a rough plan, There's, mm. there's got to be an element of flexibility to it, but certainly having a rough plan. There's no point in um, saying, oh, great, yeah, well, we found this drummer and it turns out he works offshore and he's away for five months. Bad times. That's, that's no use to anyone. Mm. So 
probably the next thing to do is, uh, as we've started to say, is find band members. You've got to find these people that you are going to spend your creative life with. Well, maybe not your entire life, but some of your life. Um, <laughs> so you've got to work out where these people are and then go and talk to them. So gigs is a very, very obvious place to go. Um, who do you know personally? Do you have some friends who are in bands who might know some people? Or do you know someone yourself who is looking to be in a band who have a similar... Um, style of music that you want to play with um some slightly left of field uh places that you can go is uh facebook groups facebook communities so there is a facebook community for nearly every music scene around um i can almost guarantee some of them sort of national down to citywide down to local area um and there are always people on those kind of groups looking for people to start bands with so that's a great place to go um and again if you if you've got your demos if you've worked those kind of things out then that's if you're writing a post then that's what you can use to kind of hook people in mm. if you're a student as well most universities have like a music society those are great places to post and kind of ask for other band members or saying that you're you're starting a band from from what I know of a lot of the bands I've worked with, that's how they met is through like those message boards or those societies. There's lots of options nowadays with the, with the internet, with the power of the internet. Mm. So yeah, I, I think also as well, kind of linking our two ideas together is when you are posting on them, kind of putting up your logistical requirements, which is, it sounds like a way too technical phrase for what is <laughs> essentially just where you're going to practice but you need to kind of say right you know we need a drummer who's got their own kit you'd be surprised at the amount of drummers who don't and can like can drive and can get to these areas whatever might be let's say some other restrictions could say well they need to be into these genres so you can say like these three bands or whatever hmm. um might need to drive have their own equipment outline what equipment they might need so if they're a bass player they might need you know a five string bass and their own amp um and not only that uh what what other things could you include in that as a bass player no just in oh just in, in general in um, the post um so you need to say what kind of genres you're looking for who you're looking for so what kinds of players what kinds of instruments are you looking for um where you're looking to rehearse and what the requirements of each musician are so what they have and what they enjoy i guess yes mm. i think another one as well is age i see quite a lot <laughs> unless you're pino paladino where you're essentially a pensioner welshman who plays for like kendrick lamar and all these massive american stars you can get away with it if you're pino paladino but the majority of us can't. So you kind of need to have a rough, flexible bracket to kind of give a general idea. It's very true. And if you are of the um, the older persuasion, I don't really know how to say it without sounding awkward. If you're not like 18 to 25, don't worry. Um, there are lots of people looking for to form bands who are older than 18 to 25. You just have to look in the right places. Um, there's loads of Facebook communities I've seen where people are looking for musicians older than that age bracket. So don't worry. Yeah, there's definitely like there's definitely a, a band for everyone. As daft as that sounds, I think there are there are there's those, a band there? for everyone. There is though because there's like you said there's loads of say musicians in their 30s that are kind of looking to to form a band and they're only looking for people 30 plus because there's an assumption that they won't be a student that they can drive and they have 
all these other things that bands maybe past a certain age, aka with disposable income, have access to that say younger bands mm. don't. So what if you're a harmonica player looking to play in a doom metal band? Then I say good luck to you. <laughs> Well, you might start sounding like Black Sabbath, actually. <laughs> Damn, shot myself in the foot. <laughs> that, that's, that's niche. But, you know, like I say, there's a band for everyone. <laughs> there's a band for you all. Hurrah. So let's assume that you've got your band members. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your first practice. Yeah. So for your first rehearsal, I think it's important to go in, again, like we keep saying, with a plan. Know what you're going to do in that room. Um, there's nothing worse than you will come to a room and you will have different expectations of what's going to happen and who's going to do what. That is not going to be productive. You want your first one to be fairly productive and to you're you're sort of feeling each other out as musicians and working out what's what's going on, as it were, and what the dynamic is going to be. So personally, I would say if you each pick a cover, pick a song that you want to cover. Um, that is within the sort of broad genre that you, you're sort of going for with your band. Now, if you're a seven or eight piece band, um, I'm sure there's some, uh, then maybe split that over a couple of rehearsals because that might take a while. But if you all make sure you have your songs chosen well ahead of time and then you all let each other know what the songs are going to be, what you're thinking about doing, uh, then you can all come prepared and you know I'm gonna we're going to play for sure these four songs whatever it may be um but aside from that you also want to make sure you have time to spend some time kind of having fun and actually jamming together and getting to know each other in that way as well um so there's obviously there's two sides of a musician there is sort of here's a song let's play it let's work out how we fit together musically but then there's also that slightly more creative um free-spirited sounds a bit hippie-ish <laughs> side of things where you kind of just work out the kinds of ways that each band member plays if that makes mm. sense on what you were saying there a really key thing to highlight is knowing your parts nothing makes a band practice fall really flat than basically nobody knowing what they're doing and people going oh, how does this bit go how does that bit go and it can be really deflating really quickly mm. especially for a first rehearsal Mm, that's it i think for a first rehearsal it should be fun that i think is the key message and but i was gonna say structured fun but ultimately in a band practice (laughs) it having structure there allows there to be fun rather than it just being a bit awkward there's nothing worse than everyone standing around with their instruments and then going right what should we do in other words there's nothing better than structure fun and there's nothing worse than disorganisation. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I got from what you said. Um, on that subject of kind of meandering aimlessly, which if you don't have a plan, that kind of t- tends to happen with, I'm going to you know, refer to them loosely as jam sessions with inverted commas. Um, and that's not only setting goals for the band practice but also kind of outlining and having discussions with the other band members about what they want from the band Mm. these need to be realistic you can't kind of go oh yeah well in two years we're going to be selling out madison square garden great if you do statistically i'm gonna bet against it but there are things to consider and i'm just be interested to hear your thoughts on them phil so they are where do you realistically want the band to be in a year? Uh, how many songs do you want to have written? 
how many songs do you want to release? And this is again, like in that year period. One I don't think a lot of people quite click onto initially is what do you want the aesthetic of your band to be? Mm. It sounds really daft and I might get quite a lot of hate for it, but there is something really disjointing about a band that doesn't quite know how, I don't want to say how to dress, but you know, if you've got one person who goes, right, well, I'm going to come on in a, in a face mask with like a prison uniform on. And then another person's like, well, I was going to wear a nice shirt from Marks and Spencer's. Ooh. It doesn't quite, it doesn't quite work. So outlining that, and obviously I'm not saying, you know, you have to all go buy like a uniform or whatever, but kind of making sure you're all roughly on the same page is, is something worth doing. And also another massive one is, do you want to be gigging? There are some people who want to be in bands that just enjoy rehearsing and hanging out and playing music. Some people are really aren't interested in gigging. The same goes for releasing music as well. Hmm. So what you're, I think I, I agree. I think I agree entirely with those actually. Um, so what you're really looking for in this early stage is you're, you're wanting to avoid band members a year down the line breaking off from the band you if they're going to do it you want it to happen fairly soon uh, quite mm. early into the band so that you can start to go in the same direction and the reasons why band members leave bands generally there's i'm sure there's um, people could quote all the sorts of things is musical differences so you're not quite on the same page about what you're wanting to do musically um and direction differences so it, it can be a case of how seriously is everyone taking this band um are, are you looking to you know spend all weekend every weekend gigging and going about the country or are you looking to do say one gig a month and just sort of throw them in every now and again and just have more fun um as long as everyone's on the same page then that's great you don't have to be looking to go like seriously professional to be in a band you can just do it to go we're gonna gig once a month and it's going to be fun <laughs> i just i just want to emphasize that you can just be in a band for fun it doesn't have to be a sort of lifestyle i'm gonna make this my career choice yeah um, i think there's no wrong answer really as long as you're all lined up on the same answer that's the important yes. bit uh on that subject as well is I think a good idea and it's a difficult conversation is discuss any potential financial commitments. That is a big one. So it's all good if two members of the band go, right, yeah, well, we want to go record a single with a producer and we're going to do it at Abbey Road Studios and we want to hire like an orchestra to do parts for it and we're going to put in our percentage to to get that done. If you've then got three others that go, well, actually, we, we, we can't do that. It, it's kind of, again, making sure everyone's aligned on the same thing. So mm. a big one I've got is studio slash recording, I think is a massive one. I, well, as being a producer... One of the things I come across a lot is three out of four band members really being keen on recording and working and then, say, working with me, kind of going away to a residential studio, making a record, kind of it being a big experience. And then you've got one band member who goes, oh, well, I wanted my dad's mate to do it for 20 quid, which mm. there's there's nothing wrong with that, but you all kind of need to be on the same page with that. Yeah, it's, you've got to have the same expectations. Otherwise, what you're trying to avoid is problems down the line in all sorts of ways. Yeah, 
So studios is one. Rehearsal spaces is a massive one. Mm. So if you're not a drummer, are you expecting to rehearse at the drummer's house? That's, you know, a conversation that comes up quite a bit. Uh, are you going to hire a specific rehearsal space? So whether that be uh, some way where you rent or kind of like a multi-purpose like studio space. Um, another one is equipment. So it's all good saying, right, well, I'm going to buy this massive wet, dry, wet rig because I've kind of got these ambitions of doing X, Y, and Z. But then the drummer goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to bother buying anything. It limits then what gigs mm. you can do. Kind of all being on the same page with that, I think, is important. Touring is another one. So if you've got ambitions to kind of tour, but then three of the other band members, are, again, it's talking about ambition, which, again, there's nothing wrong with, I don't want to say not being ambitious, but kind of going, okay, well, we only want to play local shows. The situation where you want to avoid is where you've got three band members that go, right, okay, yeah, we're going to take two weeks off work or whatever, we're going to cram into the back of a van and do this tour. And then all of a sudden you've got a pivotal part of the band says, I'm not interested in this anymore. You want to avoid that situation. Um, and another one I've kind of got a question mark on is merch. So some people are going to go, right, okay, we need to, you know, in a year's time, get some t-shirts done, whatever. Again, that can cause possible friction because it's a financial investment. The one caveat I would say to that is do not, and I can't stress this enough, do not make merch like as a first thing that you do as a band but you all need t-shirts like if you haven't got music if you haven't got music to release do not go making t-shirts one who cares about music when you look cool one i'm gonna argue there's not a band on the planet that still use their first ever logo so you're gonna have a crap ton of stuff that, that doesn't even have the right um logo on and secondly who honestly is gonna buy it like, your mum yeah yes <laughs> apart from that you're going to be give it away as christmas presents that no one wants it's going to be the lynx africa <laughs> uh soap set of wow <laughs> of merch a prime choice i think you'll find <laughs> i'm currently looking at three there are three that have sat in the corner of this room for i would say collectively about two years it depend on how long you're isolated for depends on whether they get used yeah i hate to say it i did actually think that the other day where i thought <laughs> in the end genuinely come in handy on the band logo thing and band names which can be a contentious topic as well i think for now unless someone has a really clear idea put aside any discussions of what are we going to be called and what's our logo going to be like that is not important what is important is working out do you gel musically do you agree on all these kinds of potential points of contention um and you know are you kind of working together as a unit or are you starting to work together as a unit when you've got that only then should you start thinking about something permanent like a name mm. it's it's about managing your expectations at the start <laughs> i'm trying i'll just try not to mince my words your first few gigs will be bad whether that <laughs> whether that's because you will play badly or you kind of won't have the right equipment something will break or you'll ultimately be playing to a completely empty room it, it's kind of just part of the experience of being in a band again it's why i wouldn't say go out and buy a load of merch because there might not be anyone in 
at your gigs to buy it in the first place. But setting those expectations and kind of being realistic with it. Yeah. You've got to make sure that you're in a position as a group that when things go wrong, not if, when things go wrong in various ways, you've got to be prepared to just sort of laugh it off and have fun. If you're not having fun, there's probably no point in being in a band. Um, I, I hate to say, if you're really not having fun, everyone's going to be miserable and you're going to have a bad time. So make sure you enjoy each experience, good and bad. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that extends to everything, really, whether that be you know, rehearsing, hanging out, I think is an important thing. I, well, for example, with the sessions that I tend to do, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna live with them. It, it's hmm. if you don't if you don't get on with them, it might be a difficult few days. And the same goes as well for recording and producing. I I strive as a producer myself to make them really really fun situations because that's ultimately what it should be. It should be an experience. Yeah. If you're not having those experiences and it's not a fun thing to do, I I don't really see see the point. Yeah. I'd, I'd argue there's something wrong there. There is something wrong there. Make sure you enjoy it or else. Mm. <laughs> so we've decided in our hypothetical band that we've got the band members, rehearsals have gone well. Let's discuss actually getting your first gig, which is something we've touched upon in a previous podcast, but let's go like right, right to the start. How would you get your first gig? Well, great places to start. Have you networked, as we said, well before you started, <laughs> well before you got a band together um, or, you know, you joined someone's band? Have you networked? Do you know some promoters, some band members of other bands, some gig venues, things like that? Those are great places to start. Mm. Again, it's all about laying those foundations and kind of now you can use them. This is where laying i was gonna say laying in the hard yard hanging out with other musicians and <laughs> watching other bands is where it starts to really pay off mm. uh few other so like like you said there uh you can reach out to local venues reach out to promoters it's difficult but i'd say expect to get some rejection mm. it, it's again about managing your expectations and going right okay well realistically we might not uh might not get this, might not get that. All you need is one yes. All you need is kind of your first step on the ladder and then you're away. Yeah. I would say very, very early on, unless you're getting some real kind of warning signs from somewhere for whatever reason, accept any gig that comes along your way. Unless it's, please do two hours at this place. Then if you haven't got enough music to cover your set, then you're, you're going to be a bit screwed. Um, but more or less accept anything and then you will very 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 quickly work out who you do and don't enjoy gigging with where you do and don't enjoy gigging mm. i think a good rule to set for your first ever gig is accept that no one will be there and that things will go wrong and anything else that happens is a bonus so if people do turn up great that's fine like marvelous if things do go well and you sound great amazing you'll get more gigs from it but if you kind of go right okay well try your best but ultimately we're not going to pull in a big crowd we're not going to sell any merch because you shouldn't be selling merch in the first place <laughs> and you know the pedal board's going to go down or the symbol falls over or whatever you then go okay that didn't go great i'll buy a new pedal power supply and i'll make sure i buy better symbol stands 
it's these kind of foundation gigs that every great musician, I think, learns from. I mm. think you can speak to any musician, whether they've been touring or they're signed. If they don't have bad gig stories, they're lying. It's all a learning experience. That's the way to view it. Mm. Um, I think another potential, and this is going to sound super, super harsh, thing to bear in mind about your very first gig is there is a chance that people will not care. <laughs> people there will not care because they're maybe there to see other bands and they're kind of like, I don't know your music. I, I They're not, they're not going to say I necessarily I don't care, but their reaction may show it. Now, what to do in that situation is to make sure you put on a good show and you have fun. That's 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 all it comes down to. Ultimately, if you can come away from your first ever gig having gone, maybe one two things went wrong, but we all had fun and we all made it through through the set out the other end alive, then I would chalk that up as a good first gig. Yeah. Again, that's why I think it's important to kind of almost play the empty room gigs first and play the gigs where nobody cares because that that's where you can make your mistakes and get away with it mm. rather than oh buggers we've got this big set coming up and uh it's going to be our first one and you'll be <laughs> bricking it and that's where things go wrong and those are the ones we, where you'll struggle to recover and build your momentum again a quick note as well i've put this in bold and in block capitals is do not under any circumstances pay to play oh no 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 no, no. one it's a massive red flag you shouldn't be doing that anyway. And secondly, if you can afford to do it, you're ruining it for other people. Yes. Don't allow don't allow it to become a precedent that you have to pay to play for your local never. scene. Never, never, never. Accept that your first gig, you may get nothing. It may be a free one because someone's ultimately taking a chance on you, for want of a better phrase. Um, if you're lucky, you might get some free beers. <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually... For your first gig, that's actually... Probably the best outcome is a few free beers. Winning. A few free beers and contacts to go do other gigs. Yes, of course, yes. That's another thing, of course. Every time you play a gig, try and, not in a sleazy way, but try and make sure you've spoken to the promoter, you've spoken to every other band on the gig, on the bill, um, and just have a, just, you know, chat about music, chat about mm -hmm. the, the scene, whatever it is. And ultimately, you'll just build up more and more contacts and more and more people to speak to about gigs. It's daft, really. And I think we've covered this before, but one thing, buy them a drink. Like, go find the promoter that put you on or took a chance on you. Buy them a drink, whether that, even if that's a soft drink, if they're not drinking, whatever, it goes a long way. And secondly, is stay for the entire gig. Oh, please, yes, yes, yes. It's, it goes down really, really badly when a promoter sees a band turn up play and then just leave immediately. I, I can't quite drill down into why that goes down badly. I just think it maybe it's that they don't look like they care. Mm. But it, it's bad etiquette anyway. I mean, the other the other thing to do, of course, is that so my local uh, pub gig that venue that I love going to has two rooms. It's got a bar and it's got the gig venue room. If you are on the bill, make sure you are there for when every band plays. Don't just kind of wander out and start chatting to your mates or whatever make sure you were there for every band and you you see their entire gig their entire set and then afterwards you can chat to them about it and that's a way in as well um but it's it's ultimately about showing respect to the bands who are on on the scene already okay so i've just thought of an example say there's three bands on a bill you've got your headliner your middle band 
and the opening band. Say, you know, your brand new band is the opening band. If I'm playing that middle slot and I see that the opening band has just come and gone and not stayed for mine, should I then secure more gigs? And it does happen, whether that be a headline or whether you're the middle act. You will often get asked to recommend who should open up or Mm. who should do that. A lot of it tends to go down to personal experience rather than say how good they are live obviously you have to still be decent but the thing that might give you the edge is they go oh yeah they they stayed and they're they're great lads yeah we'll um we'll definitely have them as our support act Mm. it's those types of situations where if you stay and put in again i say hard yards sticking around and drinking a beer and watching bands isn't exactly you know guantanamo bay but (laughs) Where? What an example. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. Maybe it's all the isolation. Uh, <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> so, I mean, it's 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 ultimately comes down to being a good hang, um, for want of a weird, less weird phrase. Um, just being a decent person to be around and having a laugh. Um, and then as you gig more and more, hopefully uh, bands who are in that middle slot as Joe said, or around the middle slot can sort of pull you up with them with a bit of momentum Mm. I'm going to say something controversial and if anything I want you to disagree with me on this. I disagree. It's in my notes and that is for your first set try to only have one cover in your set. Oh no I agree with that. Oh okay, that's great then (laughs) Right, so this has been the music survival guy (laughs) I mean, you you want that one song for people who really, really don't know you at all, which is, in this case, everybody, to Mm. kind of latch onto. And they go, oh, I like this song. Or, oh, I've never heard quite heard this song in that way before, if it's something a bit left of field. But ultimately, you want it to be largely your own creations. Yeah. And don't play Smells Like Teen Spirit. I can't tell you why. It's just, just, I think it should be banned. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to a gig where it's been played. You're kidding. Maybe I just go to different gigs. I just go to different gigs to you. Maybe. I'm trying to think. It smells like Teen Spirit. Teenage Kicks used to be... I don't know. It's not so much now, but it used to be a big thing. Nope. Um, not at gigs I've been to. I'm trying to think maybe, of other ones. Like, maybe I just go to different gigs and different bands. Maybe. I've seen a lot of Black Sabbath covers. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I saw... Uh, someone cover iron man and it still gives me shudders how about it was <laughs> it just wasn't wasn't great anyway that's besides the point but yeah i think having only one cover is a good place to start only because i'd say well if people wanted to go see cover bands they'd, they'd go see a cover band they're not gonna mm. go see you there's also a lot of conversations with promoters tend to go oh well we'll get this band and they, they'll go, oh, well, no, actually, because they don't do any of their own, own material. They only do covers. There's something about the psychology of bands that only do covers aren't taking themselves that seriously. Sadly. Sadly, yeah. I, I can't drill down into why. I, I just know that that's the preference for a lot of promoters mm. anyway. So to sum up, um, you need to make sure you're finding the right people. Um, have a good plan of attack ahead of a time. Work out who you're looking for and what you want from them that sounds awful um what kind of people you're looking for as musicians um go to some local gigs find out the local scene get some contacts have a clear plan for your first rehearsal and your first few um have a clear plan again for your gigs and what you're going to do and how you're going to approach them and who you're going to talk to and you'll find your way in time basically i think that's probably 
a very quick conclusion of what we've talked about. Yeah, I couldn't summarise it any better. Boom. Boom. Cool. So this week's band is a band called Urban Architects, who I've mentioned a few times on the podcast before. It's their second single. I had the pleasure of uh, producing and mixing this one for them as well. Um, so it's called The Weight of Expectation. We recorded it live at uh, Chapel Studios, which is the studio the Arctic Monkeys did their debut record in. So they, they for a laugh, kind of did the same uh, like band pictures when they were there in the same location. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. I'm, I'm going to keep, I think that just should be our thing now. <laughs>